This is the Rolling Elephant Podcast, and we're back again with more machine learning goodness. And the sad news is that this is going to be the last in this uh, little series of episodes on ML with our guest Alexei. Anything to say before we jump in again? Nope. Let's let's dive on into part three. Yeah. I mean, to, to kind of to pivot to another area of this, I, there's one of the things that I think has made significant inroads into this space over the last, again, sort of five to five to seven years or thereabouts is is the, the cloud space and the, the cloud providers, the hyperscalers. Like how how do you think the 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 cloud has changed the the sort of the horizon or the the world of kind of machine learning and data science? Yeah, so I'll uh, maybe this is a funny thing to talk to you about actually. So why do you call your podcast Roaring uh, a Roaring Elephant? <laughs> so we started His off fault. many moons His ago. Fault. Yeah, yeah, it is my fault. When so we started many thing, moons right? ago as 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 being yeah, like as being a um, a big data podcast where we talk, and it it, it was always it was bite sized big data. And as as both our career journeys evolved, but also as the space evolved, we just found ourselves talking about more like enterprise technology, open source, and like data. Just big data just sort of faded into the background, became a a foundation, but like we just expanded the scope. So, you know, bite-sized big tech became the, the the strap line, and and roaring elephant just. I mean, we we sort of are two individuals that just generally talk garbage all day every day uh, anyway. So this uh, the the roaring elephant logo just just stuck, and the brand stuck as well. Yeah, but the reason I'm asking this because I assume when you started Hadoop was still like a thing, right? Yeah. And now, like, how many people actually still have their on-prem Hadoop cluster? That's a tiny. I mean, it's more than I, was I thought. Say it's a tiny fraction. I still encounter yeah, it everywhere, but it's always that. Yeah, we still have that Hadoop thing. Can we do something with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like, there's definitely the organizations. I think the thing that's changed is the organizations that have it probably like have it at scale still today probably like they're the they're the only organizations that really need it there's a lot of organizations i think that dip their toes in it over the last decade and either they they sort of their the toes were incinerated or their toes got frostbite um and they were like yeah, this is either too hot or too cold and uh, i'm out of here and they didn't get enough value out of it mm -hmm. and it it just faded away but there are definitely some there are still some very, very large Hadoop clusters out there, but they're they're run by Creatio, a, right? Uh, this French advertising company. They at some point were telling at all their conferences that they have the biggest Hadoop cluster in Europe, and I was always asking myself, like, is it actually a good thing? <laughs> 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 but yeah. probably for their scale, it it makes sense. Well, if the size yeah. is the only criterion they mention, it's a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, what do you do yeah, with it? What are you doing with it? That's what really matters. Yeah. So the, the reason I brought this up is uh, like 10 years ago, like if you wanted to do machine learning, you had to do this on Hadoop, right? Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. more or less, but like uh, on interview, 90% chance that you would get a question, hey, but mm -hmm. do you know how to use Hadoop? 
And I would say, <laughs> no, but you know, like I know Java, maybe I'll figure this out. And um, yeah, we actually need somebody with Hadoop experience. So sorry. Yeah. And yeah, you have to have a PhD. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hadoop was the only place you could store enough data to do something reasonable with Spark in those days. Yeah. So, and now like uh, these discussions don't happen. And the reason is cloud. Yeah. So that would be the answer yeah. to your question. So now people, yeah would say like, do you have experience with cloud? And then, yeah, if you don't, okay, not a big deal, right? Like this is, yeah, the documentation is confusing. Like, let's say if we take a yes, but there's so much knowledge about this, not necessarily in form of documentation, but like courses and so on, that picking up cloud becomes like comparatively, compared to Hadoop a lot easier. Like with Hadoop, you needed to know like how to do like, especially if you need to set this up. Oh, that's nightmare. I don't know if you remember these times when you needed oh, yeah. to set up a Hadoop cluster. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you just go that was, to. That's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you manage to actually? I, I remember I was trying to configure Yarn to let me run Docker containers, and there is mm -hmm. so little documentation about this. Like it's just you just like if you want to do this, you just need to hire a person who has done this before, and then they would come to you and uh, or work at a company I'm, that helps too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm having PTSD flashbacks right this second. <laughs> yeah, now, like uh, now, if you want to use, um, I don't know, even if you want Yarn, you just go to AWS, you click a button, and then you have EMR cluster with uh, mm. with spark with docker uh, with like everything you want right you don't even need to know what map reduces right i mean hadoop map reduce this whole yeah. thing yeah. that uh like because you know what spark is and you know how what is the data frame in spark and then you can do group by mm, maybe it's not a good thing to do group by in spark but like who cares because you can just go and do this and uh, and yeah, actually, because like if you use data frame, then internally group by is implemented as reduced by key or something, which is more effective, right? So then you can just write all the SQL up there without worrying how exactly it's implemented there. Uh, at some point, of course, like you would say, but yeah, you actually need to know what's happening here to optimize. Yes, at some point you will need to know this. But yeah, mm -hmm. like cloud really simplified our lives. And it's also true for machine learning because we use all these big data tools uh, to run machine learning because we need to prepare data. We need to put our model somewhere to apply it to data and then we need to save it. Yeah. And previously it was done with Hadoop. Now it's done with other things. Like for example, a very popular and uh, the approach I really like is serverless. So you can have mm. a, kinesis, a kinesis team in AWS, you don't need to manage. It's uh, somewhat expensive, but yeah, mm -hmm. you just have a stream with data. You can start putting as much data there as uh, you need. And then you can have a Lambda consumer that is reading from this stream. And you can put a model in this Lambda function and it will just apply uh, this model to all the events you have in your stream. And you need to have to maintain zero infrastructure for this. Because Lambda is serverless, you just need to know how to use Lambda. Then Kinesis is also serverless. You need to, you don't need to maintain a cluster with, uh, I don't know, like a Kafka cluster or whatever. So yeah. it's just uh, a matter of uh, setting up these services and knowing how to put them together and knowing how to put machine learning in these services. And that's enough to 
start being useful as opposed to you know buying a Hadoop definite guide and then reading through this and still okay what did I just read how do I actually use this thing now <laughs> yeah we'll definitely get onto serverless in a, in a sec but like when you mentioned uh, mentioned Amazon and, and Kinesis and Lambda and things like that like is there is there, you know, one cloud provider that that is, you know, better or, or more advanced in the in this world than the others, or is is the one that you know that you think is is kind of lagging behind? Is the one that you see used more often? Um, I mean, there is. A, I recently did a poll on Twitter, run a poll, and ask mm -hmm. what kind of cloud do you use, and fifty percent of people said uh, AWS, twenty percent of people mm -hmm. said. Uh, um, like I don't actually remember. So the first thing was AWS. It was half or more. Mm. Then it was GCP yeah. and then Azure and then a couple of percent others. So mm. I think this is what in general I see in the industry. Mm. And I, I don't think they are totally different. So maybe Google Cloud is better because uh, it is better in one aspect. Let's say because in Google mm. Cloud you have this uh, big query, right? So in Amazon you don't really have something similar. Uh, but in Amazon you have... Uh, I don't know what actually is better in AWS than Surface. it's more mature, I would say. Like I, I think the um, like the tools around. So for example, AWS CLI feels a lot easier to use mm -hmm. than the Google Cloud uh, SDK, for example. So like the tooling, I think, are a bit easier. But in terms of services, uh, I don't know. Like Google actually feels a bit more modern, I would say. But in terms of the mm -hmm. actual things, like the interface is better. Maybe documentation is sometimes uh, like at least it looks nicer, but in terms of services, yeah, I think they are all equal. Like and uh, especially yeah. now when companies tend to put stuff on Kubernetes, at the end it doesn't matter, right? If you know how to use Kubernetes, you will be able to use it. Well, uh, like there are some parts that are specific to, to clouds, mm. even in Kubernetes, but usually there are like maybe a one person or two people who look after this cluster, but you as a user of Kubernetes cluster, you don't need to know all these uh, tiny specifics. Yeah. I think go, going into like the, the world of serverless then, you know, that if, if cloud was the, the, the sort of thing that was the, the big step in evolution going from like the raw sort of big data times um, do you think serverless is the, is the next big leap forward? Mm, maybe. I don't know. They, they're used for different purposes, actually. Um, mm -hmm. So a good comparison of uh, big data tools would be not serverless, because with serverless, you have this is sort of like online semantics. So you get some st stuff from a stream, you process it immediately, and you save it. Or if you deploy your Lambda as a web service, you send a request and you get back the response. So this is like online kind of, kind of things. But for this big data stuff, it's more like uh, batch semantics. You execute this periodically, I don't know, every hour, every day, every week, for example. And for that, there are other tools in, in the cloud. So I would compare this with, for example, I don't know, EMR, which is still good old Hadoop, right? Or I don't know, AWS batch or I don't know, ECS or Kubernetes jobs or something like this. So you still kind of need to know what is the right tool to use for your problem. Now, in principle, of course, you can put everything to serverless and then Lambda will process it all, mm. but it's not super effective. Right? So if you want to process, mm. I don't know, one or I don't know, 10 million records at the same at once, 
sending it through Lambda is just simply too too slow, too expensive, and mm. like you can just execute, uh, you can just take a big machine, score all this data at once, and then save the results somewhere. So today I would use AWS Batch for this if I was on AWS. Um, but yeah, could be also a Spark on AMR, for example. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're running we're running a little long, but I'd love to get your view. Like you've obviously seen a lot of different projects, sort of during your time. Like, what do you think are some of the fundamental things that make you know machine learning and data science projects fail or indeed succeed? Like, what are the the key things that you think people need to focus on? Yeah, interest, interestingly, it's uh, the same things as in usual development. So this is like, do you actually have users? Like, did you do um, some research, right? Do you know that users need this? Because you think it's cool, users need this, but then they are just confused. Okay, like, what is this thing doing? Like, why it's giving me recommendations? I don't need recommendations. Right? So I think this is the reason why it fails. And then there is this disconnect between data scientists and business. Data scientists mm. like to play with cool things, like developers in general do. Uh, like uh, mm -hmm. there's this new model I want to try, and then let's see if I can apply to the thing I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. While the thing you're working on right now might not even need machine learning, and you're um, trying to solve it with like the latest <laughs> model. So that's yeah. the, where the disconnect can happen. Um, or I don't know, chasing cool tools can also like because if we talk about MLOps and ML engineering, there are so many new tools that promise to solve all your problems. And you think, okay, like I have so many problems, let me try to to do use this tool. And then this tool is not a magic bullet. Uh, yeah. So then okay, like why did I waste so much time trying this thing? Like I should have focused on solving the business problem, right? And then figuring out like all yeah. the rest. Yeah, makes makes sense. Makes sense. It, it's it's. Uh, I guess it's not. It shouldn't be surprising how many times things come down to the fundamentals of like, does this is this really needed? Like, is this really the best way to answer you know any given problem? And if the answer to to both of those things is yes, then it's probably a good use of your time, effort, capital, whatever. And there is a nice uh, trick um, or, I don't know, way to check if uh, a model is actually needed. But this is boring, like many data scientists would say, no, I don't want to do this, is basically doing things manually. So let's say you mm. want to, um, I don't know, so I work at Elix Group and this, we are an e-commerce company. We are an online marketplace. So people mm. can sell secondhand stuff through this platform. And one of the models um, could be, for example, we want to detect the quality of images. And we think that if a quality, the quality of an image is good, then maybe it's more attractive for potential buyers, right? And mm -hmm. if it's like a shot in the dark, uh, like somebody like oh, without any, if, uh, I don't know, with bad lightning or I don't know, mm -hmm. with direct sunlight, we think that it might influence if people will want to buy it or not. So the correct way, or at least like one of the good ways of checking this hypothesis would be just getting 
I don't know, 100 or 1,000 listings from the platform, going through them manually and seeing, okay, this is bad, this is good, this is bad, this is good. And then sending this to people to check, uh, to say what they think about this. For example, we can send it um, to a seller saying, hey, the picture of your phone isn't really good. Yeah, maybe you can do something about this. And we can see how people actually react to these recommendations. So yes, we did spend some time manually labeling data. It's not fun. Um, and then we used like not fun way of asking users for feedback, which is sending email or I don't know, a push notification. But mm -hmm. the important thing here is we got user feedback. Like, do they actually care about these things or they don't? Because for example, what buyers might care about is the price. And it doesn't matter mm. if it, the image is good or not, right? If the price is good, then mm. they don't care, right? They will still contact the seller uh, anyways, regardless of the quality. So there are things you can do manually before investing time into building a deep learning model for detecting if the quality of images are good, is good or not. Because you need to, it's not just only model, right? So you need to have to build all these data pipelines, all these things we discussed. So it's easily, two, three months work, right? Not just of a single person, of a team. So it's worth trying to spend, uh, I don't know, three, four hours of your time, just going through the data mm -hmm. manually, even if it's boring, to save these three months of development later. Only to find out yeah, at the end that actually that. users don't care about these recommendations. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I like that approach. It's, uh, it's a, a level of pragmatism that I think sometimes uh, we get a little bit caught up in our in the own hype of certain things and we, we miss some of the pragmatic approach. So that sounds, that sounds great. Well, I mean, one of the things uh, maybe to wrap up with is like we, we got to know you uh, through your, your book, the Machine Learning Book Camp. Um, like, yeah, to, uh, you, you mentioned it a little bit at the start. It's, you know, very kind of project based it's very sort of focused around you know things that people can actually follow on and do and make sense for for real life but you know what was what was it like writing the book like what was your what was your experience what were the the highs and the lows yeah i was very enthusiastic about writing a book so i thought okay like i'll just sit and write it so what can possibly go wrong here <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, it's funny. So first time we got in touch, uh, it was through Manning. So Manning put us in touch. Mm -hmm. And um, you said, well, you know, this book is not actually written yet. It's not finished. So let's uh, let's talk a bit later when it's out there. And it was uh, how long ago? Two and a half years? Or three? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. So you see how uh, not simple, not easy was it to actually finish it. <laughs> Because it's not, um, no, like, uh, yeah, it requires a lot of dedication. And uh, mm. there are, there is a process. It, it's not just you dump your thoughts on a document and release it. Right? It should also be understandable. And the amount of times I rewritten things for clarity is, mm. I don't know, I lost count. And then also I cut out a lot of information from the book. No, so things uh, mm -hmm. like for, and especially because I was doing it with a publisher, the publisher was saying, like, nobody will read this. Uh, it's not a novel, right? So do something with the page one. <laughs> and uh, like, what is actually not necessary for this? And this is a very good exercise. So for each paragraph, for each thing I was talking about in the book, I had to ask myself, is it actually helpful 
or it's more destructive. Mm. Because if there is a concept that I mention, and uh, I will need to explain this concept, right? So mm. if I mention, okay, this is using back, back propagation, then I cannot just leave the readers hanging there, wondering what this back propagation is. So I have to explain it. And then mm, I think, okay, I like it. But does it actually contribute to the goal of the book or not? Mm. Or to the goals of this chapter? And I had to do this like for pretty much every paragraph. And then, uh, yeah, this is not a simple exercise. It's very helpful. Uh, I think I became a better writer uh, after this. Mm, but at the expense of two uh, something years. So I don't know if I want yeah. to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, it sounds like at the very least, this sounds like a, a really good book for that people should uh, get their hands on if, if this is the, the kind of way that, that people like to, to learn these sorts of topics. So um it's been really great uh talking to you alexei really appreciate your your insights into especially the way that the the world has evolved and shifted through through the time that we've been sort of uh, following this and uh, you've been at the on the front lines by the sounds of things sort of working your way through uh, the the various uh, parts of this uh, ml ai data science journey as it's gone through so it's uh, it'll be it'll be curious to see where this all heads next yeah, indeed. Yeah, thanks for having me. Wonderful. Any any last words from you, Jan? Nope, just thanks, Alexei. It's been very useful. I like talking about this stuff, and Dave never lets me, so I'm always happy to have a guest that knows things about <laughs> 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 Wonderful stuff. Anyway, thank you, Alexei. Good luck uh, with the, the continued growth of the, uh, the Data Talks Club, and who knows, hopefully we'll get you on again soon. Yeah, thanks. Bye, everyone. And that concludes our little uh, AI ML data science um, interlude. Thank you so much, Alexi. Uh, really enjoyed spending some time with you, mm -hmm. kind of getting a bit of an, an update on you know where things are today, how things have shifted. We sort of cover these this sort of topic every now and again, but like the world shifts in between uh, each time we revisit it. And also we revisit it with different guests yeah. that have different perspectives. So just really good conversation, really good to, to hear from, from someone that's, that's you know, seen this, uh, seen this particular field developing over the last, uh, well, quite a few years. Yeah, a bit of report from the trenches of ML. <laughs> mm-hmm, very much so. Anything else from you, Jan? Nope, you can take it away. All right. Well, then that really is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution helps. We're on YouTube. You can like, you can subscribe, you can hit the notification bell and do all the YouTube things. You can also go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag, and you can send your feedback to us at podcast at roaringelephant.org. However, until next time, my name is No More Data Science for a While, Dave. And my name is, if I had started writing a book three years ago, I might have a book published today. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. <laughs>